That's great. Go ahead, make your jokes, mister. Jokey. Joke maker. But let me hit you with some knowledge. You should quit now and save yourself the embarrassment of losing with these losers in Las Vegas, LeFleur. Alliteration aside, I think I'll take my chances in the tournament. Yeah, you will take your chances. I know. I just said that. I know you just said that. Okay, I I'm not sure where you're going with this. Well, I'm not sure where you're going with this. That's what I just said. That's what I'm saying to you. All right. Welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I'm your host, Gus Manti, and thank you to everyone tuning in today. We have a podcast full of Q&A, a little bit of an update on the Northwoods fishing. Uh, nothing crazy tonight. We uh, have no interviews, but we definitely have some more interviews in store in the future, so stay tuned for those. And on with me tonight is my brother, Max Manti. How are you doing tonight, Max? I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Uh, limited fishing for me after Vermilion, still kind of coming down off of that high uh, and for the next few weeks here. So glad to be on tonight, get to kind of fill the gaps, to fill the fishing void over the next few weeks by hopping on with you guys and chopping it up. Gus, I see you're sipping on something over there. What do you got? I think you might have gone back to the old peach bushes. Is that is that is that what I'm seeing? Yeah, you're seeing correctly. I got the bushlight peach, so that's an old staple nice. in standby. So I don't, I don't know if you guys are sipping anything anything else. Max, I, uh, you got something? I'm sipping on a uh, special root beer, one of them, uh, one of them UP root beers. If you catch my drift, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, those will put you in a good spot for later. You gonna sleep well? <laughs> uh, Is that but, Brian's uh, voice I hear? Yeah, I'm more I'm more curious to hear how our uh, our boy Brian's doing over there. Another another big weekend for for the kid or what? No, shockingly, I uh, did not spend the day today hungover watching Rory McIlroy. I uh, took the weekend off from watching golf. Uh, shout out Victor Hovland though, incredible couple <laughs> weeks here. I mean, guys, lights out. Gotta love him. Nothing to hate about him. But yeah, I'm uh, currently little. Uh, little fantasy draft going on in the background of the pod right now so trying to craft up a team in a 14 man league so it's a little bit of a challenge but uh excited to talk some fishing other than that how's uh how's the squad shaping up so far you know i went heavy on wideouts uh my first three picks and then my next three were all running back so i'm mean, looking pretty good my qb might be blake bortles or something by the time i pick again but <laughs> pretty sure he's pretty sure he's retired but um and gus you, you can't forget we got a bunch of great submissions this week on some fish stories from listeners um from for the quote-unquote common man musky segment so it'll be cool to share a few of those as well but uh why don't you take us into a little bit on what you've been doing lately up in the north woods how the fishing's been be curious to hear how uh how it's all shaping up there i know we're uh patiently waiting the um kind of pre-fall you know, consistent cool down weather when you can get out there on the boat with that sweatshirt on, nice pair of jeans or whatever. And, you know, that's, that's prime time. It feels like, so I know we're just kind of waiting for that right now. Yeah. I think it's in store. It's coming soon, probably a lot sooner than we think. I think there's a little bit of warmth maybe coming back in the uh, future weather, but 
there was a slight cooldown this last weekend, and and there's some red and orange and yellow happening in some of the trees. So that's <clears throat> already already kind of happening up here. But this past week, you know, it was good and then bad. There was not really much in between. It was probably for the first time this entire, probably since early June, where it had a week of either the fish bit or we didn't see pretty much anything for a little while. And that made fishing tough to kind of stay, I don't know, in tune with what you're doing and not like slacking off or something like that. I had a few guide trips, I think, and uh, we were very successful during them, but there was times in the middle of them where it was just tough. I mean, it couldn't get fish to follow. I tried a lot of bucktails to hopefully get, you know, some feedback or some fish into the figure eight for the clients to see that, but they just were not. I mean, it, it was tough. Also, in my spare time, I spent a lot of time fishing trophy bodies of water, and unfortunately, none of those uh, happened <laughs> to get a trophy. But you know, that's why that's why we do it. That's why I try, and tried that with some buddies here and there. But uh, uh, let me ask you this real quick, Gus: Did you do anything? Do you break any like different tactics out of the box this weekend when fish weren't moving or did you kind of try to stick to the the same game plan that had been working in previous weeks you know there is a new tactic that i haven't done almost ever uh there's one morning with clients we broke out double top water it was just so <laughs> juicy that we had to and got two on top water that morning so that was pretty cool that's crazy nice. i've been i've been begging to do that for years it turns out it works <laughs> it felt i know it does work it's insane what like perfect humidity and fog and cloud cover and were, were they both and... uh flaps or what kind of top no actually the flap tail has been quiet lately it only got a boat side blow up in the past few days but it was the suic nightwalker again that mm. hey. yeah figured one it would them, come back to play at yeah some one point of them hit way out probably plopped three times before that fish hit and then the other one was about halfway back and and neither of them followed the bait they just took it down mm. you know so that's that's the way you want it to happen and that was pretty cool to see put up some pretty gnarly fights These fish are all going crazy once you get them hooked but it seems like the fish are flying out of everywhere with the water temps being in like that i don't know it dropped into like 68 ish with some of that cold front but it's been fluctuating between like 69 70 71 give or take a few degrees up and down um but uh I'm trying to think of other tactics that were kind of brought out i mean bucktails are kind of the king on at least getting bites I mean, I think I think I was throwing bucktails uh, earlier in the week because still really sore from vermilion casting a lot and mm -hmm. just fishing really hard. So I just wanted to be easy on myself, and it just so happened that they were hitting bucktails on the Tuesday night league, which that was the last night of Tuesday night league, and my partner Clayton could not be there for the last week, so my dad subbed in. And we went two for four, saw a couple others, 
And our teammates also got one. So we brought in three fish for the whole team that night. And we closed it off with a first place finish for Tuesday night league. So that was, that was pretty cool. uh, Yeah. (laughs) We uh, got that done and thankful for that because Monday night league has been going not great. (laughs) We've been (laughs) struggling on the Monday nights, but that's all right. Still having fun. Can't, nope, win them all, can't win them all. Still having fun out there. Uh, other than that, you know, no, not not a whole lot has changed except for now the weather this weekend. It put a kind of twist and turns. I mean, the water temps were fluctuating five degrees in less than twenty four hours. So the fish are in a slight funk, and I'm kind of hoping for a little more consistent weather again because last time we had consistency, we had consistent bites and. About the only other excitement this week is that I got to witness a uh, quote-unquote super tanker get uh, unfortunately hooked and lost on a trip. So it was good to see a big fish. And um, what, what kind of what uh, kind of super tank are we talking? Well, I'll just spill the beans here. On this trip, I was on the chain, and as as you know, on the Eagle River chain, it's not known for really big fish and. This is probably one of the biggest fish I've ever seen on the chain. So Gee, got big my, fish in there. Big fish in there. It got my eyes, <laughs> you know, popping out of my head, heart racing to turn around to grab the net. And before I could <laughs> even look back, I, I saw that thing. I, it it rolled on that. It was it hit a bucktail and it rolled on it. And oh my God, it went broadside. It's just one of those where like I I've never seen that fish there before. Yeah. <laughs> you know. We're going to start turning into the podcast of what ifs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Guys are great at moving fish. <laughs> great at hooking and losing big fish. Would you say it was, uh, I guess this is a little bit too much of an inside joke, but would you say over or under on on the, the fish that Brian pulled the bait out of the mouth uh, a few few <laughs> falls ago? Oh, boy. You know, I that think... fish was only like 45. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, right, dude. <laughs> uh comparable whatever whatever we'll makes comparable. you sleep at night <laughs> we'll say comparable because this one uh for those who fish the chain typically you get a lot of greenies a lot of sometimes some clean ones that are you know not super light colored but this one was a blonde beauty so Oof. i kind of so do, do you think it's some of those bigger fish are starting to slide up with the cooler weather because i know that's kind of the migration we're all waiting for well i think the lack of follows so this is what i've kind of taken away from the weekend obviously the turning weather like changing almost hourly i mean there's no like consistency is putting the fish in a funk for sure but i have not really been marking much bait deep at all on the lakes that i've been fishing i've been seeing definitely some bait holding to weed edges but not as much as normal and there hasn't been as many follows when fishing outer weed edges and i know there's been fish taken there but i think it's because some of these fish have finally slid into some of the shallower water where they're either going to see your bait zipping right by them and do nothing which is why we're not getting follows or they're going to absolutely crush it because there was another eat this past week where there's actually two I had two splashdown eats on tubes mm. in like three, four feet of water. And 
the heaviest cover you can think of on the lake I was on. So I think some of these fish have really slid up. I think they're a little moody, um, but I think they're going to be very vulnerable and catchable, quote unquote, soon. And I think they're going to stick to a lot of shallow water if you're fishing mainly stained water. I've also been hearing some reports of a few people seeing and catching fish on sand on some clear bodies of water, but I haven't really spent a ton of time on clear water as of lately. So maybe I'll have more to speak on that soon. But we're going to have a bunch of Q&A questions here coming up, and I think I probably accidentally answered a few of them. I know there were some that were similar to what we're just talking about right now. So maybe we can kick that off. And yeah, Max, you want to get the first question rolling? Sure, we can roll them. Um, we do have quite a bit tonight. So, uh, you know, in our, our typical fashion of really like laboring on, on a few, we'll probably have to keep it a little tighter tonight. Um, we don't think we've really done like almost a full app of just like Q and a and, and, uh, you know, musky stories. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Let's, let's just roll it. <clears throat> Start out with one here. Uh, could be a quick one. Uh, Dropo 93. Thanks for writing in. He asks, would you rather fish the Madison Metro or Minneapolis Metro lakes? Ooh, who wants to start on this one? Uh, I can go cause I don't have a ton of experience with either, um, fished, uh, the Metro Lakes in Minneapolis once a couple of years ago. I lived there for a year, um, and I just I'm not a huge fan of Minneapolis. Like Madison, it's a city a lot more, and you guys had great success down there in the PMTT. So I would say Minneapolis, or excuse me, Madison Lakes. Okay, yeah, I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you here. Even though we had a lot of fun down in Madison at the PMTT and got to obviously experience the the possibility of some super big fish coming out of Madison and, and a lot of fish down there as we saw kind of pre-fishing and whatnot. But after this whole vermilion experience, I would really love to chase some more very large leech lake fish. And I, I think maybe I'm more a little biased just because I live here in the cities. I I'd love to get out and, and fish those Metro lakes here more often because every year you hear of really big fish being taken out of all these lakes that are, I mean, essentially right in my backyard. So I'd probably go Metro just cause you know, some of the lakes here are got some a little bit more room. I know they're really, um, heavily pressured just as Madison is, but, uh, you know, it would be fun, especially I think getting out there during the fall, whatnot on like Minnetonka or something like that, you know, one of the bigger bodies of water here would be, would be a lot of fun. I think I'm going to have to agree with Brian here. I'm going to go with Madison. I think it's got the best of both worlds, seeing that it's got a lot of fish and really big fish. And I know you're talking about leechers, Max. It's not their home water, but they got the leechers in Madison as well. So they can have some very, very large fish. And and Brian, I'm really surprised you didn't talk about the chances of bycatches. I mean, there's some pretty gnarly sized pike in the Madison <laughs> chain. That'll keep you uh keep your line tight, you know, throughout yeah, the day. When, when you- yeah, when you go through those those uh, five-hour lulls without any musky and you just want to feel something, I mean, Madison can definitely provide that. Yeah, and another thing, if we if you could only fish one or the other, is that Madison, you can fish until, like, I mean, ice up is late, you know, and you can start True. early since it's southern Wisconsin. So I'm going to pick Madison on this one. All right, yeah, no, good answer. All right, moving on to uh, Braxton Steedle. 
Steidel. I apologize if I get some of these names wrong. Uh, blame it on the rope beer. He says, what is your biggest tips for a drastic warm-up this time of year? Um, be curious to hear your thoughts on that one, Gus, because that is something that hits close to home on us the last few years. For whatever reason, September has just churned out some very warm weeks and weekends that, uh, you know, are very welcomed in the month of like late June and July. Uh, feels like fish kind of turn on, but it feels almost like when you get into the fall months that those huge drastic warmups can really make things difficult. And if you need a few seconds to think on it, I guess my only thing would be, you know, if you're, if you do have some, some big warmups in the fall, the one thing we've noticed is, um, typically it's been a great time to catch tigers for whatever reason. Yeah. We've, you know, we've had success on specifically live bait and, and tiger muskies during fall warmups. And that's, I don't know what that, the, the biological nature behind that is, but I think it's been pretty consistent over the last few years. I feel like we've caught a big tiger in September when that, when it heats up. I think I'm going to have to go with, uh, I'm going to bring out just a few options and I'm trying to think off the top of the head on what we've had success on. I know for a fact doesn't not typically are we seeing great like bucktail action i don't know you could get an anomaly uh, i know in the past we've also like put on a massive flap tail and move some fish that's maybe another anomaly or maybe a good option to just like seek out some fish but for actual catching you're gonna have to go start and stop for sure i mean what comes to my mind right away is rubber you know just being silent i'm also thinking about calm calmer weather usually when it gets really extra hot in the fall it's usually followed by no wind days or very low wind Mm -hmm. and that's when definitely soaking a sucker can benefit your day or kind of just like slowly approaching structure and popping rubber working a glide bait or a dive and rise through some, you know, heavy cover. I mean, we've seen also like a, like the quote unquote Indian summer in the fall where for absolutely no reason, these not no reason, sorry. We'll see that these fish slide up kind of shallow, which is, you know, against all, all fall transitions where you think like, Oh, they're all on steep breaks, but, and then you'll struggle on these types of days. So it's, you know, worth a look on going a little shallow in certain cases and kind of just picking apart, say you got a good steep shoreline or, or a good area where you've seen them in the fall or seen them in the past, just work it deep and then go work it shallow and kind of go from there, you know, if you get feedback. So I think that's my advice there on if it heats up quite a bit. Cause that can just be tough, especially if the water temps fluctuate so much. That's when fishing can just get very, very difficult because the fish are just overstimulated with water temp change and weather change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree, especially on that dive and rise point. I feel like the Navin has really shined for us on some of those warmer fall days, very slow moving, you know, kind of natural presentation, um, I know that we've gotten some nice fish on that bait. So yeah, hopefully that helps out if when we inevitably have our uh, you know, 10 day stretch of 80 degree weather this September. 
Uh, all right, Gus, this question's geared more towards you. Um, comes from uh, Latin Dressy Guide Service, Latin Dressy Guide Service. Do you know how to pronounce that, Gus? I'm unsure. Okay, well, hit us up if we if we botched it. But uh, he asked, guiding, let's hear some stories. Heartbreak, uh, any funny stories, goal achieve, you know, doesn't have to be relative to size uh, for you this past year. This past year? Well, I've gotten a, a good number of first muskies this year again, which is amazing to see. I absolutely love seeing that. But um, I'm going to talk about the goal achieved, and that's when – I took out a 90 or 91 year old Frank out on the boat and he's caught muskie in the past, but he hasn't been fishing in, I think he said a good 10 or so years. And he came out with me and we, uh, you know, saying that not size related, this is relative to this because it was by no means a big muskie, but got him a muskie at the, uh, at the very young age for Frank. Cause he was pretty, you know, talkative that morning and can move around and he casted the whole time. So that was an awesome goal to achieve. Also got a few first muskies, like I say, uh, one of them, which I think I'm actually going to post here soon on social media, or maybe it's going to be out by the time this podcast is, is a, uh, a young man came to catch some muskie and his first two muskies were tigers. He is still not caught a purebred muskie both of his first were tigers and one of them was like an eighth of an inch short of a 40 inch tiger so that was pretty cool to see and i guess if we're talking heartbreaks it would probably be that super tanker that was just lost this past week that was the biggest fish lost on the year unfortunately and it just how did the client handle that um I think handled pretty well. I mean, they're after their first muskie. So seeing as the first hit on a lure was that big is not easy. You tell them it might be the last time they see a fish that big the next decade. You know, I I know (laughs) I can't say anything like that. (laughs) I got to, you know, like keep it even keeled being like, oh, no, that's the next one. We'll get the next one. We'll get another shot. Oh man, yeah, but just tough because it was in like the last 20 minutes of the trip. So oh. that's gotta be tough when your client like misses a big fish like that, and you're just sitting there going, like, oh my god, like you might not get that chance for a really long time again. <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, there's nothing, nothing they could have done differently, really. I mean, just I think the fish hit weird or something. When I saw that thing roll and and he set the hook pretty well in my eyes and and just the bait didn't stick in i don't know it's uh that was a weird one but a big fish nonetheless gotcha all right well i got a question that i think brian's gonna really like uh we got one another one from our our, our boy poorly made musky memes shout out poorly uh, he, shout, shout out, out poorly <clears throat> shout out he uh he he wrote in uh what is everyone's go-to casting spot for muskies? Grass, cabbage, structure, etc. So, Brian, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you kick this off. What's your, what's the your, you know where do I start? You're going out on the water. It's 8 a.m. You're by yourself. You don't have Gus telling you where you got to go fish. You don't have me giving you shit. Where are you mm-hmm. going? Where's Brian Eckle going on 8 a.m. to go catch a muskie? When like are we talking like mid-August, mid-September? 
I mean, I don't know if that really matters to you, does it? <laughs> That's true. They're always shallow, but uh, no. Okay, so okay, let's let's uh, let's change up the question you asked. Let's say it's first light. All right, first light. I get out in the lake by myself, and I'm probably keying in on some slop, some choked out weeds. Right, cruising a flap tail over them. There's gonna yeah. be fish there. They're gonna be waiting to eat. And when I was younger, I used to love the trees. You get in that timber, that freshly fallen big pine tree laying off the shoreline. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's that's right off the highway. Those fish stop by there all the time. Um, it's just such a small area, though, anymore. It's it's tough to really fish unless the whole whole shoreline's laced in trees. But I got to go with a thick weed bed. There's really nothing better. Yeah, no, I, I could have predicted that answer. Cabbage, thick cabbage. Okay, I am cabbage. surprised that you never said anything about a dock. Or, yeah, yeah, no docks, oh, no lily yeah. pads. Like, what's In going between on? the thick cabbages, a bunch of docks. <laughs> <laughs> Gus, what about you? What's what's your favorite structure to to fish on or cover? I should say. Um, uh, you know, I that was a roundabout way of Brian saying it, but I gotta say, just cabbage. I love fishing through thick green you know, cabbage of any kind, the broadleaf cabbage or the tobacco cabbage and green and this and that, you know, all the cabbage, that's probably my favorite to run anything through bucktails, rubber, top water, cranks, dive and rise, you name it. So that's what yeah. I'm going with. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably agree. I mean, there, there is something cool, especially like if you're fishing in, you know, a weed bed to like really feel skillful or try to feel skillful about it and like pick it apart and you know, throwing a diving rise, letting it, you know, touch some, touch some weeds and then float, you know, rise back up and repeat the process. Like, I think that part of it's cool, but I, man, I'll say this, like a really close second for me is, you know, coming up on this fall time when we start throwing some of the bigger rubber, baits kind of off the deeper edges and letting them sink and there the reason why i like it so much is like just getting crushed out of nowhere on a big rubber bait and deep kind of deep open you know structure whether it's like rocks or just a steep break or whatever i just think it's cool because like a lot of times you know that those fish aren't following so it's like you're either just seeing them or you're not and by seeing them i mean they're hitting and you know a lot of times too and like you get crushed out there and deeper water sometimes those fish kind of stay down a little bit longer and kind of keep you guessing as to how big they are for a little bit of time so yeah i don't know i mean i i, I would agree I, I i always look forward to throwing big rubber don't always like get the right you know opportunity throughout the summer if you're fishing choked out weeds to throw big rubber but um i think more so than just you know like fishing weeds there's got to be fish for me it's it helps me stay engaged, you know, locked in when I'm like pinpointing cast, trying to hit certain spots, you know, in right. between weeds or, you know, next to a dock, it keeps me engaged on my next cast. And like, don't get me wrong. I love ripping a Susie sucker off sand grass in 20 feet, but after like a <laughs> while, it's just, you know, cast. Yeah. Feet. Yeah. If you're not getting bites doing that can get really old, really quick. Yeah. Uh, and I know we're just kind of going around on like, every single type of structure now so just like we probably just really like catching muskies but there isn't like i mean one of the cooler feelings too is like when you're throwing a big crankbait or even a small one you're ticking rocks and it's like tick 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 and then pow and you get smashed i mean that's that's pretty cool way to fish too for muskies i mean there's just a lot of different ways to do it so 
In yeah, summary, keep- all the above. Yeah, just every way to catch a muskie is fun. And he he doubled his question too. And I thought this was interesting, a little bit fitting for a name. Uh, so I think you can kind of interpret this how you want, but he's like, what beer types would you equate to muskie fishing? So like, what beer would you equate to like getting skunked? What beer would you equate to catching a big oh, fish? Interesting. I mean, I'd, I'd probably go Bud Light for getting skunked. <laughs> <laughs> fish sticks? Fish sticks. <laughs> um i think for me you know a nice (laughs) nice heavy crafted ipa for just like a stout 44 inch fish you know yeah yeah i would say maybe a little blue moon for that nighttime top water you know a little pick under the moon there i like that that's but but probably probably a warm uh keg of hams for a fish that comes off once it's hooked <laughs> some milwaukee's best oof <laughs> right your lost fish oh man Gus, I I know, just... if you caught if you caught a 50 it'd probably be a, a peach bush i was I'll just about, <laughs> you know you got the options a b c d but i'm going e all of the above for bush light peach lost fish mm. big fish a fish seen a just fish get you a bush light peach yeah just get you a bush light peach it's like oh i just missed one bush light peach there you go that's good stuff yeah i thought it was an interesting question um all right we got musky mike outdoors shout out musky mike outdoors shout thanks out, for, shout thanks out. For writing in Shout out Musky Mike. He asked, go to lure on a new body of water. Man, that's uh I mean, just to <laughs> just to like look tough. for fish or like he doesn't give no, any it's like time a, of I year think it's more like... like a confidence thing. Like if you were going out on a new body of water, like oh. what is, is there a go-to bait that you're just like gonna go grab? Is like a okay, I feel like pretty confident I can at least get a fish to move on this bait. I you see like what's in here kind of yeah thing. it might it it's it's kind of two because I'd flip flop between the two for a while and it would just be like a regular bulldog and then a tube with a trailer blade because the bulldog I feel like is a little more subtle one hopping that around and then the tube you get a little more aggressive having the blade in back get a little more you know calling fish from a little further away and those are the two that I'd probably bounce around. I don't know. I know some people would maybe choose a bucktail, and I had that option maybe if I'm just looking to find fish on a new body of water, but I'm going to stick to rubber for mine. Those two. I think it, I think it kind of changes per year. Like each year we kind of seem to find like a few baits that always seem to just move fish and they're like consistently productive. Maybe it's relative to just like being in, you know, like Vilas County lakes, you know, they're, they're all fairly similar and maybe, you know, but based on color, watercolor, whatever it might be, that bait just looks good. Um, so I don't know. I'll just say whatever your confidence bait is this year, whatever you've had the most luck on, you know, throw that on. It'll probably keep you engaged more when your confidence is up. You know, it just feels like you're more likely to catch a fish. So um, if it were me, though, I probably be like Gus. I mean, bucktail just to see if they're hot and active, try and move them out of the weeds. Otherwise, um, yeah, probably a mag dog. I'd say this this year that trigger has been, I mean, it's kind of been the return of the bucktail for us this year. I'd say that seven nine trigger for me, as far as getting fish to come and dance with you in the eight or calling them in. I, for whatever reason, that seven nine combo has just been deadly in the North Woods for seeing fish. I mean, I remember just a few weeks ago when we got onto that 
big new body of water we had never fished and i put on a it was a custom a six custom seven nine um and i mean within the first 15 minutes we had fish up and moving around so yeah i don't know i'd probably go go with the seven nine trigger this year I, i just think that size is so good for fish to follow in it's not overbearing i feel like for them and it makes that really really loud kind of grindy noise in the water rides relatively high so it's easy to fish so yeah uh, also it's been a good one yeah i just i'll uh elaborate a little bit more on what i was saying with like each year we seem to have a different confidence bait uh was that like two years ago the rj rj bucktail is that what it's called yeah 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 two years ago we i guess i think you know found that bait for the first time and it was money on the chain and then it seemed to work in other various lakes in the area really well for us and it was like a confidence bait of you know that year and still is we've caught fish on it this year so just figuring out you know what you have confidence in and and what works at one area lake will you know might translate to the next lake nearby those bucktails are so good dude i mean it's like i mean the one we have double tens in it now we got i mean the one that you're talking to is a double eight and gus correct me if i'm wrong but it's it's deer uh hair right Correct. Yeah. It's natural, you know, it looks Mm -hmm. really natural in the water. They're typically smaller uh, profiles. And I I feel like, you know, when you look in people's boats now or see what they're throwing bucktail wise, a lot of people are throwing tinsel. And so I don't know, maybe something about a little bit different of a profile with the deer hair. Yeah. It's super slender. So, I mean, a lot of, yeah, a lot Mm -hmm. of people's are, you know, big bucktail, marabou, whatever tinsel and I, I think it matches the forage a lot better for a lot of those up north, smaller lakes. Yeah, that's a little secret buck. I mean, it's not a secret bucktail. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have it, but if if you're looking for a new one, I would probably Shout out recommend. RJ. Yeah, putting putting one of those in your Shout boat. Shout out. Yeah, the right. eights, eights, and eights and tens have done well for us this year, and just so happens, don't mean to bring it up again, but that big fish loss this week was on the double eight RJ. Oh, oh no way yeah it still that works still works <laughs> it's the same one as the first one bought a few years ago that thing's got a no just paint. a couple just a couple <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it came with a lot of different colors and it's down to like two colors um the blades have changed to pretty much all silver and <laughs> all the paint's just like gone <laughs> Yeah, that's that's when you know that that lure. I mean, anytime you see a lure that looks like that, man, those are the ones that that work the best. Oh yeah. Uh, all right, moving on to our our residential Instagram troll slash really good friend Grape Wake. Shout out Grape. Shout out. Shout out Grape. He threw a few questions at us. I think I'm just gonna limit it to one since uh, yeah. a few of them are NSFW. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm gonna go Grape. on. Easy yeah, he, when, when if Grape makes his way back onto the pod here soon, we'll have to fire his own questions back at him see if I he's mean, got any answers. The man's <laughs> the man's unhinged, man. The guy catches a fifty, <laughs> and he's just all bets are off. Um, <laughs> he and even this question, I, I I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> he he asks, "What termy tacky do you recommend for different lures? Rubbers versus blades, leader size, etc." Termy I think, tacky. I think he's talking about terminal tackle. That'd but... be correct. He's he's doing that to save time though. Oh yeah, right. That's true. He saved a lot of time there. Um, thanks for the question, Grape. We'll just do a quick breakdown on the terminal tackle that I like to run. 
And I think in a earlier podcast, I talked about that I do not use fluorocarbon for casting. I just run straight wire AFW for glide baits, crankbaits, diving rise, bucktails, and topwater. Uh, I make those my own. I typically make a 10 to 12 inch for the larger crankbaits and diving rise. And then I typically use about a seven inch or so liter for uh, topwaters, smaller smaller glides, cranks, and diving rise, along with bucktails as well. And then for rubber, I strictly go with the the flexible wire, the like, I don't know how many strands it is again, but it's like the multi-strand wire. And I run either the 12 inch or the 18 inch. And that does the trick there. It can usually last for many fish. It's got a coating on it. And if it, you know, if you start seeing some fraying or the coating's gone and you see like a fray happening with your leader, that's when I change it. And for trolling, I do run the three foot fluorocarbon leaders. So that is the terminal tackle tips for you. Grape. Thanks for the question. All right. The next question we got in, hopefully I pronounce your, I believe last name correctly. I just have the uh, Instagram handle here. It's John Krumpsig. Sorry if I butchered that. I probably really butchered that, but he says, what causes the fall shallow sand bite to start? Is it still good as it used to be? Um, John, that I know is a very famous happening over in Minnesota and we've seen it sometimes here in Wisconsin. And I know it happens throughout everywhere in the early fall transition, but I think it's just when the water temps start to dip a lot more and it's kind of just inevitable. Like it's not, it's not just like an exact calendar date and it's not an exact water temp because as you know, during the season, it's not that every single fish in the whole system migrates at the same time. So it's kind of something that I'll just start to check actually pretty much right now as in late August and checking very shallow sections of typically like the the bottoms of points closest to land there's kind of some sand on them that'll start to check and get some baits over up in one to three feet and then work down a point uh just to double check and that's just when you start getting these cold snaps i mean i'm checking the super shallow if deep deep weed edges and just weeds in general aren't working that's where i'm gonna probably go try some areas that's either uh current related which will be some shallow fish or going for fish in and around reeds. I don't find them up there all the time, but that's just some places that I'm going to check in case, you know, the typical weed bites not really happening. So I'll probably be relaying on that a little bit more in the next, I would probably say four weeks on how any of the sand shallow gravel or inside weed edge bite is going to go. And so far it's kind of starting. So definitely be watching out for that. I mean, the temps are in the low seventies right now, but I think it's going to be more of a thing when it drops below 70. Yeah. That, uh, inside edge bite definitely turns on 
you know, that inside weed edge bite. I think that's kind of what we almost equate the sand bite probably in Minnesota to here because it is, you know, a lot of times you'll actually have a stretch of sand before the weeds start in Wisconsin. And I know we've pulled some fish over the past few years off of that really shallow inside weed edge kind of areas. So, I mean, I think back to fish our dad caught a few years back and we were getting to a spot that we typically fish this spot like starting at where we were just to like kind of get set up and kind of get into the groove. And it was like right away, I think I was putting the trolling motor in pretty much and he popped a nice fish um, up shallow. So yeah, I mean, it's now's the time, you know, when that weather starts to cool down, get, uh, get excited to start checking some of that shallow, shallow, really shallow water areas. And, you know, be surprised at how big a fish will sit up there and yeah. one to one to three feet of water. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I know at least from, kind of hearing about that Minnesota bite, we don't have that like really vast inside edge, massive, expansive bull rush beds, at least. So I'll I'll say that rephrase this, the lakes that I typically fish don't have this. I can think of a few off the top of my head that there are bites on that are very, very similar to Minnesota. And I haven't exactly witnessed them myself yet, nor have I really tried them. So typically when we go on the inside edge, it's pretty much we're going to equate it to like that decaying weed inside slop edge pretty much. And that's typically going to be sometimes popping a suic or a navin extremely shallow or hoping for a good bucktail topwater weather. And that's definitely how we're going to get them. So. That is all happening right now, and we are going to move on to the next question, and this one comes from on the fly 86 What are your rules for water clarity and or cloud cover and lure color selection? On the fly 86 that is a good question. Typically with watercolor, if it's clear... I'm going to say what everyone else usually says and definitely going to go natural a little bit on that. I definitely like getting the whites out there. Um, Browns. I mean, anything that's just going to resemble the forage that you're in. It's, it's probably more of a confidence thing on a clear water, just because you know that those fish can see the baits better, see them from further away. Uh, You want to just be a little bit more subtle and natural. Whereas if it's muddy, or just like a dark stained or green bloomed that's when i'm going all black or like noisy oranges noisy chartreuses and typically going with also a louder bait so that's what i got do you guys have anything else to add on there i would agree i mean if it's just conditions wise um you know if it's cloudy and a little bit darker out i would go dark and then if it's sunny and high skies uh, something more reflective in the water that's going to kind of deflect those light beams around like a bright orange or, you know, a, a crankbait with some reflective t- uh, tape on the side, um, just something to shape the light maybe. I would also add with maybe if I'm thinking about blades and if they're going to be either a metal blade or like a, a metallic like shiny blade or a painted blade, it's typically painted during cloud cover or darker conditions and, and something shiny and bright for sunny conditions, but still be sure to switch it up. Cause I can remember on the top of my head, there was one day where I was using uh, a frenzy stagger and I think it had 
both blades painted and it was getting hit and follows when it was bright and sunny, but it was like intermittent sun and clouds. So definitely just don't be afraid mm-hmm. to kind of go against the grain on some of those things. It's not, there's no hard, fast rules there at all, but those are kind of just the general rules that I tend to follow on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And not to be, rep- I don't want to be repetitive. So I would say the only thing that I would add as far as being really specific, and this is more partial to just what I like. Um, but when it's sunny out, love throwing gold blades. I think gold blades look really good when the sun's shining, you know, I don't know for whatever reason. And again, that's just a personal confidence thing. I think it always just looks so good in the water when it's sunny out, just having those two big gold blades flashing around. Um, so, and also probably lean more tinsel when it's hot and or not hot, but, uh, sunny do like, uh, throwing more tinsel type bucktails and stuff when it's sunny Oh yeah, everything else I echo. I, I agree. I agree with everything else you guys said. Definitely agree with all that. So let's move on to the next question. And that comes from Instagram user fluff Too tough running. Thanks for the question, Fluff. I know you sent in one uh, prior podcast as well. He asked, how close to a major slash minor should I go fish my spots or waypoints? Is 45 minutes too early? I'd say going to your waypoints is never, there's never a bad time there. I would kind of equate the major minor peak to either going back on a fish you raised the day before or that day. And if you don't have a fish raised that day, then I I would uh, just keep popping around your favorite spots and kind of go from there in between the majors and minors. I mean, one thing that we found out is that we haven't really learned a lot if you fish a new spot uh, not during like a peak bite window because then you'll fish a new spot and maybe it's an amazing spot, but you just hit it like at the wrong time because you were just not fishing your waypoints during not peak. And then you wait for peak to fish your waypoints. If that makes any sense, kind of on finding fish, but is he saying like 45 minutes from like peak major 45 minutes before peak major? Is he saying like 45 minutes before like that two hour major? Uh, doesn't specify, but maybe I would think he just said, he asked again, how close to a major slash minor should I go fish my spots or waypoints is 45 minutes too early. I don't think there ever is too. I was kind of, that's what I was kind of explaining that there's never too early. I don't think. I mean, we've just noticed a ton of like, oh my God, that fish hit right at the start of the major or right at peak or right at the end. So it seems like kind of those three points is when we always seem to look down and be like, oh, that was three minutes after the major started or three minutes before it ended or something like that. Yeah. I was, that's what I was going to say. I was like, we've had too many weird circumstances where fish hit, I mean, to the minute almost on peak, either peak major major or minor, or like you said, you know, right on the either tail end or right at the beginning, you know, if you have a, if you have a big fish move during the morning and you have a, a major coming up, I mean, yeah, I would say right when that major starts, just get on that spot. If if that's a fish you're really trying to catch. And another thing too, I mean, I don't know if you guys are buy into what Clayton was talking to us about on the podcast he was on, but I, I kind of get, get down with it. I mean, he was saying, you know, not all majors and minors are created equal. So like if, you know, he prefers to fish when the moon's down. And so if you have a moon rise, you know, you might want to spend a little bit more time 
fishing those areas that you know there's fish at prior to that that moon coming up and even though typically the the major that minor will be on the back end of it too you know maybe try to really focus more on the beginning if it's like a moonrise you know try to spend time before that that moon comes up yeah to touch on that thing clayton was talking about with the moon up and moon down uh just tonight i i hopped out fishing with dad and we were fishing the moonrise minor and went out there uh, we're just gonna fish the full hour of it and maybe a little bit before and a little bit after but popped a small fish on a tube before technically the quote-unquote minor started but it was that hour leading up to the moonrise and then had another one like a low follow on a tube where it danced around the eight like four or five turns had it on side image the whole time but the water was too murky to ever see it and then the moon was up and we didn't see a thing and you know just called it after that 30 40 minutes after the moon was up and at least that's what we've and there's no significant weather change whatsoever hmm. yeah well maybe clayton knows a thing or two I think he does. <laughs> Should probably listen listen back on that podcast to uh well, I guess welcoming the new listeners. Definitely recommend going back to one of our older podcasts with Clayton Speece. I think I believe it was the week after the PMCC or something, and, and we had an awesome time talking with him. All right. Now to our final question, and this comes from Kyle Scruggs. Kyle asked. If conditions are post-frontal and fish are acting more negative and neutral and you mark one on side image, will you sit and pick that spot apart or, or will you run and gun and search for more active fish? This is a good question and I can kind of equate it to conditions that we have been dealt in tournament situations and our game plans typically when they are very tough or the weather's not moving, I have found that running and gunning kind of stinks, at least for us. We have just kind of done the stick and stay and make them pay. I would highly suggest just like picking that spot apart. That's like my favorite thing to do is with the weather being tough, just like keep the trolling motor off, pick a few casts apart, uh, turn it on again for a little bit, pick a few more casts and just kind of work slowly through spots, especially if they're negative and neutral. I feel like, I mean, I know you guys, when the bite's really tough, you kind of have in the back of your mind, like, well, first of all, like, am I throwing the right bait? But the other thing is, is like, how close do I have to get this lure to a fish for it to either move on it or eat? And when they're negative neutral, I got to think you got to get that lure super close. If you're going really fast, running, gunning, and having a lot of space between your casts, you're, there's just a higher percentage of you, you know, not getting across to fish. And especially if they're negative and neutral, you're not maybe going to move them if you're moving too fast and your bait's moving too fast. So we, I know I like to pick a spot apart for sure. And from what I've seen this year, either stretches of spots or sides of lakes or specific weed beds have been holding multiple fish pretty much throughout the whole year. So I will definitely pick a spot apart or fish it two, three times in a row, 100%. I uh, I do have one question I wanted to grab just because I want to see what your guys' uh, answer to this would be. 
Uh, it is from Latin Jury's Guide. Uh, he asked one earlier, but this one he asked, what is your bucket list fishing trip outside of Muskie? Did we do this question already earlier in a pod? I can't remember. It no, that was, that was bucket list musky spots. This is like yeah. all our species. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, Ooh, I have a few, I think. Yeah, I would say I think the clear cut answer for me, I also have a few, but I think the clear cut answer for me would be backwater tarpon fishing with a fly rod. I think mm. that's just probably would be yep. the coolest thing. Yeah. I think that'd be my number that's one. That's up there. That's up there for sure. I'll uh, continue on your fly note, and Gus, you might have to help me with this species name, but I always see them on my Instagram. They're in South America, I believe. I think they're called like a Dorado. They're the oh, the golden Dorado. Yep, the in those rivers. Yep, yep, yeah. They're like native to Brazil or somewhere in South America, and the the fly fishing videos I see on my Instagram are wild, and these fish look crazy. So that would be a kind of far-fetched bucket list trip that would require a lot of planning and uh probably be a lot of risk involved yep i was just double checking that i was not just like speaking out of my ass on that one it is a golden dorado native to central and east central south america that thing looks beastly that would be a lot of fun yeah that that would be one you'd have to mount they're they're gorgeous of of course my (laughs) um moving on moving on i i am gonna of course all my bucket lists are also with the fly on one of them i might get the location wrong maybe no i i I think it's in mongolia they have the taman which is like the world's largest and longest trout on those rivers kind of look like musky like a trout musky hybrid they're huge that's like a yeah it's like a it's like a salmon on steroids that's like a trout i don't know it's ridiculously they get like i don't even know how long they get because i'm horrible with converting the normal metric system as opposed to like whatever america uses (laughs) because pretty pretty sure there's there's ways to do that yeah well yeah it just hasn't been discovered yet <laughs> i don't really know how to use google up here in the northwoods we just kind of as i'm googling hit the northwoods yet. yeah as i'm googling like where that fish location is um where is that fish i didn't hear you if you unless you didn't say it like where's the go-to I, spot for them i think i said mongolia but i think it's mongolia. a few other countries in that area sounds right jeez <laughs> oh what are you sipping on again max don't worry about it kid um anyways i i got a quick slip in there the uh the gt trip on a fly the giant trevally trevally yeah fly or conventional the big poppers they throw for the for those is crazy yeah like i i would really or something i think i think so i think that's one of the common ones but all i ever see is just like a video of a guy like with a fly rod in hand, like walking the flats and then just having this GT in his, you know, once he catches it in his hands and it's like, it's as tall as it is long. And it's, uh, I don't even know. It's ridiculous. Sounds wild. It's funny that all of our like destinational trips around flies, fly rods. (laughs) (laughs) It does add a new thrill to the sport. And I mean, you can catch, 
not that all those fish wouldn't be catchable and conventional, but I, I think fly definitely opens the door to a lot of different presentations that maybe make it yeah. easier than conventional. It's, just, it's like hand to hand combat. You just yeah. gotta be way closer and you know, more into Skillful. it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Right. I had a I had a trip earlier this summer with an awesome group. It was um it was a dad and a son and then nephew. And they were looking for their their first muskie and the son got his first muskie ever and he was like super stoked and the dad's like a hardcore fly fisherman and this day just happened to be calm and sunny and i'm thinking like dude you just just get that fly rod out and cast it around like i'm i'm curious i want to see what happens and he (laughs) the first excitement on that is i got to see like an 18, 19 inch walleye attempt to eat his fly boat side. So that was <laughs> outrageous and a new thing to see. And not too much further down that stretch, if I, I want to say, or maybe we turned down to kind of like do that stretch again. He hooked what seemed to be a hefty, hefty fish. And just it had, he had it on for a few seconds and then it popped off. And I remember just like looking at the bend of the rod and i'm like oh my god that i think that was a nice fish and he was like shaking and he was just like completely hooked because he's because he was just trying it for the first time ever and he's like that worked like this is awesome <laughs> I'm, so, I'm does, so hooked. it, it, it is that. like extra re- rewarding like you, yeah you know you have low mm-hmm. expectations i mean we've caught some small ones on it but to tangle with even like a you know high 30 to low 40 on the fly would be pretty wild yeah it'd be fun no i feel like you could do that uh uh maybe build that into the repertoire a little bit this fall especially with some of those fish up shallow might be the time to actually do it a little bit more that's true because yeah. yeah some of those days it's not speed like some of those days we're having pull pause outings of getting fish so i think <laughs> a fly would be kind and of that'll be some uh sweet some good Good GoPro content if if one of us can hook into something of good size on the fly and tangle with a boat side trying to get the net under it. Oh man, that'd be, be awesome. a shit show, but yeah. awesome nonetheless. I believe that's it for the night on Q and A, boys. I feel like I this think... is a good episode if you're like out mowing your lawn or you're really bored on a car trip. <laughs> yeah, I it's, it's, sorry for the yeah, we don't have the big old content of having like a big time interview this week. It's tough to get it every week. Uh quick shout out to Jeff Widman again for them getting like somebody on every single week. That's dedication right there. 200 <laughs> how many episodes? Oh man. Dude. A lot of planning. Mhm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody who submitted questions this week. And now without further ado, we'll get right into the, this week's common man musky segment presented by Max. <laughs> Real quick, before we dive in, I, I wanted to open up the floor again to the name of the segment. Um, I'm kind of wavering on it. I don't know. Uh, I know it's kind of gotten some traction over the past few weeks, and that's how people refer it to. But I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts. You know, if, if it needs a name change or anything, or you guys like it for what it is. Well, I mean, uh, as we're as we're kind of looking through photos and seeing that these quote unquote common man muskies getting posted are, you know, 
54, 53, 57. <laughs> They're not so common fish. That's what Yeah. And nor common people either. So I thought the name, I was like thinking about it. I'm like, I don't, don't know if I love the name. So maybe, maybe if, that's what, that's what makes it great is it doesn't really fit the segment perfectly. And true. Uh, these people that are absolute sticks going out there and catching wall mounters <laughs> are now the common man on the pod. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Brian and I, like that's, you know, that's kind of what we're, I guess our designation, if you will. So that's kind of where it all started was like, we just wanted to hear stories of, you know, people that don't do this for a living or, you know, whatever, um, just sending in, because I feel like at least they're seeing some of these, like you just always hear crazy stories when people are musky fishing. And I think they're kind of fun to fun to share, you know, so we'll keep it rolling. I mean, it's been good. We got a lot of submissions this week, so I'm going to kick it off with one of the, one of, uh, you know, a banger of a submission. Uh, it came from Knowles on the water and he, shout out Knowles. Yeah. Shout out Knowles. This thing is crazy. And also I'll, I'm going to post all the ones from that, that have been submitted probably on this Friday. So, uh, if you haven't seen yours on our Instagram, muskies on tap, shameless plug, um, check out those on friday after the pod drops this week but Knowles on the water submitted a crazy 57 inch musky what taking on lake nipissing in ontario wow. that's not the crazy part though <laughs> what not the fact that it's 57 inches it's the fact that he caught it on a six foot six medium light with eight pound test oh my god oh, of course it's on <laughs> did he get it he's one of those guys did it did it eat another species that he had hooked or did he get it on like a night crawler so he was throwing a berkeley (laughs) flicker shad uh and he hooked a bass 57 inch musky comes up and apparently just annihilates the bass and completely engulfs it and he was able to manage to land the fish and he said unbelievable when he landed it the bass was nowhere to be found Jeez. Wow. How didn't that line get severed between his teeth? The grace of God. Yeah. <laughs> I That's mean, unreal. This fish is giant. I, I I don't know. I mean, I couldn't even imagine on some of our lighter musky tackle having even a, a hope and a prayer to land this fish. So yeah. That's the type of shit we're talking about. Not a common angler there to finesse the uh <laughs> fish of a lifetime in on you know eight pound test all right uh second submission is coming from mctavish quilting uh i believe she's got a shop out in western wisconsin great follow on instagram uh seems to be a really diehard musky angler she was up at annie meyer's lodge in canada a few weeks back they caught a beautiful fish looks to be at least a four footer uh but again not not the uh crazy part of this this story is they actually saw this fish um you know kind of paddling around on on live imaging and it looked like the way she described it it, it looked like there was a um you know plank of wood or something in the fish so she yeah she described it that it would it almost looked like a fishing pole or a large plank of wood was like hanging out of this fish's mouth. So they could see the fish on live imaging. On side imaging or on like live, live imaging. Scope? Okay. Live scope. Yeah, on live imaging. And uh they ended up 
the fish was not, it was acting weird or something in the water. And so they actually, you know, purposely snagged the fish to see what was going on. So they figured there was something wrong with it. And when they got it in, it was, um, a long piece of line had been wrapped up inside its gill attached to a lure. And they ended up cutting the line, taking the lure out and saving the fish. Wow. That's that's an unbelievable story. I've never yeah, heard probably will anything, not get any more like of those that. stories this year. That's that's unbelievable. And I mean that shows you how powerful live scope is that you can see something <laughs> caught up in the fish. <laughs> yeah, that's uh it's the, the the other side of live scope. You know, we've we've probably been a little bit too harsh on this podcast of live <laughs> yeah. scope and now here we are talking about how live scopes save us. Yeah, Fish's live life, scope so. lovers—they're uh, <laughs> they're gonna be publicizing this story, <laughs> and I don't blame them. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable to be honest. That's uh, that is just too cool. Thought this story was awesome too. So a, a gentleman that wrote in that the Latin dressy or Latin dress Latin dressy guide service who wrote in a question earlier, he was out at I think it was a guide trip, and yes, it was a guide trip with him. Uh, a, a six-year-old and his dad and six-year-old caught a 40 and a half inch muskie all on his own huh six that's, years old that's pretty badass that's yeah were they holding on to his sweet. belt loops that he wouldn't go overboard <laughs> i mean look i got an action shot and everything it's pretty wicked you know he's got the life jacket on <laughs> just, <laughs> just just going ham on this fish uh and you know what i think the the most commendable part about it is He's he's in the shot, solo hero shot with the fish. Nobody's going up for him. Six year old. I mean, this fish looks like it's forty seven inches because he's, you know, six years old. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> looks like I could swallow him. Yeah, he's what got a you... bright future ahead in the in the fishing game if he's already oh, holding man. holding a forty inch muskie. What do you think he was doing? Popping some rubber out there or what? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. <been> a pounder. <laughs> Throw, yeah, he's got the ten foot extra heavy stealth thorn bros rod, and he's. <laughs> Working a working a husky dusa, napping it over weeds. Do <laughs> <laughs> you imagine seeing that from like another boat in the distance, just like this little six year old just snapping the crap out of? I'd some probably water. switch legs. That's too intimidating. <laughs> like, what is he building over there? Oh, from man, the pick, yeah. it looks like he is using like a thorn ten foot. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, mean, I don't know if again just because he's six and it's like an eight foot rod, but it does it did look like he was holding a giant a giant setup, which is awesome. So and and props to that guide for getting him through the steps. I mean, I, I don't know how much um you know time he spent fishing prior to that or or anything, but as you know, we all know and Gus especially, like when you're getting people into musky fishing, just the actual art of casting is you know tough. Yeah, I mad props. <laughs> Definitely the guide and and another shout out to Logan again on just that beautiful fish. I mean, not to mention how gorgeous the fish looks too. It's like a really really cool spots on it. It looks like a a Minnesota spotted, I think. I'm not really sure, but I think he might be out in the Dakotas, but he could have gone over to oh, the western yeah, side. Yeah, of that's Wisconsin right. Too. That's right. No, I think I saw Dakotas. And yeah, that is a very, very good looking fish. So shout mm-hmm. out, Logan. Shout out. All right. Uh, Jim Gell, uh, thanks for writing in. This is a pretty, I call this 50 under the gun type muskie right here. So he went out on a guide trip on Lake St. Clair. There was some nasty weather rolling in. They figured they would try to get out there right before the storm. 
you know, always a risky move because you know the muskies are going to be snapping, but especially on a lake like Lake St. Clair. I mean, we saw it on Vermilion, man. Once that weather moves in and you're out there, it's it can be a dangerous game. So he said that they went out on this guide trip with weather moving in. Five minutes into the trip, uh, muskie 50 inches smoked a uh, Ziggy olive frog trolling uh, lure and took him 15 minutes to land the fish got the pictures, released it, and took a 25-minute boat ride back to the Michigan side to beat out a massive storm by just a minute or two, he said. That'd be a fun sequence. That's some some freaking quick work, man. I mean, that's good shit right there. You're going out, put the lines in the water, pop a 50, and then race back home right before the storm hits. That's efficiency right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tim Weagle sent in some nice fish that he had caught. Um, he said, uh, the first fish that he caught was my, my, thank goodness. I'm not going home without a fish in the bag again, musky. So I thought that one was pretty relatable. Ah. Oh my God. He said That's he was awesome. getting ridiculed. He said he was getting ridiculed by family members for the dry spell that he was on. So I'm sure Brian, you can relate to that. He said it was to the point he didn't even want to go home because he was like, Man, I just this is just tough. I'm spending all this time. I mean, you know, you guys know how it is. Like, you go and fish for eight to 10, 12 hour day. And if you don't catch a fish and you tell somebody that you went out and fished for 12 mm-hmm. hours and didn't catch one, they're going to think that you don't know that, what the hell you're doing. That happens with me and my roommate a while. Like, you know, we've had weekends where we're like, I mean, we just don't catch fish. And I'll come back and be like, yeah, we fished, you know, 12 hours Saturday, eight hours Sunday, a few hours Friday night, and we didn't catch anything. And he's like, dude, what? Like, what go you- fish for walleye. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, yeah, he, he got a – so he ended up getting one, ended his dry spell, a little slump busty, uh, nice, like, look to be <laughs> mid-30s fish. And then, you know, as we know, man, when it rains, it pours. Right after that, he popped it one off his dock, nice tiger muskie. And added Great. another one to and added another fish to boot. So I ended up going home with three really nice muskies after being on a dry spell. There's just not much a better feeling than that, you know. Mm-mm. And then lastly, gonna go to my guy Travis, been DMing with him. Uh, Shout out Travis quite a Shout bit out. on Lake Vermilion. He uh uh so Travis sent in some pictures. He actually put them on his story and tagged us. So now I'm looking back and I'm realizing that the the pictures are no longer there. So I might have to reach back out to him and get those for when we post them. But I do remember there were two really nice um, you know, north of 50 vermilion fish. So again, just tantalizing to see, you know, another uh another people sending in some big fish that they caught mm. on vermilion right after our trip. I think that See that trip seemed to you know really hit home with some people. A lot of a lot of nostalgic people out there talking about Vermilion and you know talking about trips that they took 10, 15 years ago and they you know went out there in hopes to catch their their biggest muskie and they came home with a 54, 53 inch fish and just you know crazy shit. So um yeah, man, already already still jokingly joking around with these guys about when we're gonna get back, but I am very much looking forward to getting back to that lake because yeah, having the chance to catch a fish that big is just um it's just cool, you know, being on a water body of water like that. Mm-hmm. And that wraps it up for our common man musky segment or common man TBD name musky segment. Uh, appreciate you guys sending in all the pictures. Hope uh <clears throat> hope we get to get some more 
fish stories in for next week's pod. I really enjoy sharing those and hopefully you guys um, enjoy hearing about them. Love to hear it. Love sending, love seeing those pictures. Keep sending them in. All right. Well, uh, we'll probably send it off here with maybe just a few housekeeping items. Merch God, Brian, where are we at on the merch update? The weekly update. What's going on in the world of clothing? Uh, we had a long conference call last uh, week, and I, I think we, I think we <laughs> finally figured it out. Uh, I think we finally buried the hatchet on on all these options, and you know we're gonna have a big order coming through. It looks like what we'll probably be receiving this shipment in within the next three weeks, two weeks, three weeks, sometime within then. So soon. Stay tuned. We'll be we'll be sending out some teasers um, and then we'll be having a giveaway uh, probably next week or, or maybe in two weeks. Uh, we'll be doing a little giveaway for you all. So stay tuned on that. We're really excited about it. Um, we, we're, we think we picked out, you know, the, the best quality hoodies, tees, and uh, and it seems like we finally dialed in exactly what we were hoping for. So it's just around the corner. Stay tuned a couple more weeks. Should we drop the mystery item, the uh, the non clothing related item that Ooh, is going to be for roll, sale? Drum roll, yeah, drum roll, yeah. All right, all right. We're not good at this like promotion shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got. Hang on, we got something. Wait, else wait a second. Up. We got. Oh, we got something else for you guys. Brand new. I have never seen it before in the fishing industry. We are muskies on tap, so therefore we had to do some pint glasses with muskies oh, on tap on it. Nice. Sick. So Come with a pre-filled your... beer, <laughs> pre-filled bush light peach in it. So yeah. be careful. <laughs> Keep it to the right side up. So that's some good news. That one is in the mail. That might be uh, here before we even get any clothing, and also some stickers. So mm. definitely be sure to be looking for those. And I cannot wait to get my hands on those and start sending them out so thank you merch god for the update and i believe that's gonna wrap it up for today's podcast if you guys have anything else to add or no not tonight i mean we're gearing uh, up for our big yeah, draft we, weekend brian you yeah. want to touch on that give the people what we got going on this weekend it's yeah not we, fish got, related, we but... got a little a little fun we got a little rambunctious crew going up north to eagle river this weekend uh is it 12 of us in total this weekend yeah 12 of us in total um we have our annual fantasy draft and then our annual scramble match um that always gets super heated and uh super competitive and i think uh, Gus and I's team is now what three and one in history in the scramble. Yeah, I think that's no, right. No, that is right. it two? Two? We point. I think two. last year, last year was our first year we lost. I thought. Yeah, we've only done it, it twice. No, we've done it three times. I think. I think we at won least. It, yeah, I think we won it first two years, and then, and then, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So two and one. Young guys are two and one, but. The old heads, Max and his crew won it last year. They're, they, you know, they got a little bit of momentum. So we'll give you guys an update on who came out victorious on next week's pod. But you already know. Oh, you're right. You're right. Back. You're right. You're right. You're right. You what you've got, you guys have gotten two. We've gotten one. Three yep. years we've done it. I remember now. Yeah, we'll we'll be tra- we'll be looking to tie things up this uh this weekend. But that's just a good time, man. I mean, 
I know this muskie podcast is centered around fishing, but it's also spending some quality time in the North Woods. And while we won't be getting probably too many lines wet this weekend, um, you know, we're going to be having a lot of fun up in Eagle River. So looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. I mean, um, yeah, like Max said, not a whole lot of fishing in the weekend, but that's all right. We'll find the time and get you guys still a report on the following week. So I think if that's it, we'll uh, wrap this podcast up tonight. And Ryan's famous uh, outro. Famous last words. Famous last words. What you got to say tonight, Brian? All right, everybody. Well, look, we got a big Labor Day weekend ahead of us. I already completed a fantasy draft tonight. I'm sure much of you listeners have fantasy drafts coming up this weekend. Make sure to draft those Buckeyes, all reliable, best program in the country. They're going to be some players, the backbone of your teams, guys. Watch out for Zeke. He might be RB2. He's going to be RB1 by week eight. No way. (laughs) The worst outro ever. (laughs) Good luck this weekend on the water, guys. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Thank you to our troops on Labor Day. Peace.